Hello, welcome back to the Scouted Football podcast. Uh, football is starting to make a tentative and strange return with more and more leagues resuming over the past days and weeks. Uh, we've seen FC Red Bull Salzburg lift the OFB Cup as well as make a winning return to league action. Uh, an 18-year-old Karim Adeyemi, who assisted on his league debut, has made a handful of appearances now, uh, usually in place of Zambian international Patson Dakar, who has been on something of a hot streak since returning to action with a hat-trick at the weekend. We also saw Portugal's Liga Nos spring a surprise with Famalicao beating FC Porto 2-1, Benfica being held to a 0-0 draw with Tondela, and 21-year-old Englishman Marcus Edwards scoring a late equaliser for Vitoria Guimaraes against Sporting. Um, elsewhere, Denmark have resumed their 2019-20 campaign, Werder Bremen continue to concede set-piece after set-piece, and the Ukrainian top flight kicked back into action with Marcus Antonio scoring in a 3-1 Shakhtar Donetsk victory over Dinamo Kiev. Uh, unfortunately, one league which will not be resuming is France's Ligue 1. It was over a month ago now that the decision was taken to curtail the season prematurely, subsequently relegating Toulouse and Amiens, uh, ensuring Olympique Lyonnais finished outside the European qualification spots for the first time since the early 1990s and handed yet another title uh, to Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, that is where our podcast is based today, Paris, home of one of European football's current heavyweights. It's an honour and a real pleasure to be able to welcome uh, Julien Laurent uh, to the Scouted Football podcast today. Uh, many of you based in the UK will be aware of Julien's work as a journalist and broadcaster with ESPN, The Times, The Guardian, as well as being a regular panellist on BT Sports UEFA Champions League coverage. Um, he's also been a regular contributor to our unofficial great rivals in the podcasting world, uh, the, the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, and, and also can be heard on BBC Radio 5 Live discussing European football. Um, Julian, thanks for coming on today. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. I'm really uh, honoured and privileged to do this podcast with you, my friends. Excellent stuff. Yeah, we, we had a little bit of a, a mishap in, in recording just earlier, but we're, we're on the road now. Um, but yes, Paris Saint-Germain is our topic of discussion for, for today's podcast. And Julian, you are a, a Paris Saint-Germain supporter yourself. Um, but it, it's particularly relevant on the back of your most recent piece uh, or one of your most recent pieces for ESPN. Um, for, for any of you who didn't see it, uh, it details the troubles that PSG have had over recent years of being unable or unwilling to hold on to their young players, um, which is partially self-inflicted, having defunded their reserve side, who most recently played in the fourth tier of French football. And it has raised plenty of names, uh, ones who got away, if you will, uh, and plenty of issues with a huge club doing something like that. Um, one of the, the lines in your piece, Julian, that, that really stood out to me uh, was where you said, Last year, PSG took the decision to scrap the reserve team and only have an under-19 team. They believed that the reserve team playing in the fourth division cost too much for what it delivered. The message, either a 20-year-old player is good enough for the first team or he isn't and can be sold. Now, in a side like PSG, who are France's runaway dominant domestic club and, and should be competing for European honours every season, it's going to be very difficult for any player aged 18, 19, 20 to break into that setup. Um, essentially what I'm asking in a very long-winded way is, is where is it going wrong? You know, while PSG have one of the world's most renowned academies, why are they not also renowned for their pathways to elite football for young players? It's a, it's a good question. It's, it's, it's a long debate that I think they've had internally that we've had as well following the club. I think we will speak later about one incredible well of talent Paris and his region is for PSG, especially because this is this is the club that is there, but for also all the clubs in France and 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 in Europe as well, who come and, and get some of our boys, some of the Parisian boys, very uh, very early age. The, I think the 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 decision to scrap that reserve team was a shock to everyone, including inside the club. I, I, it made no sense to me because, like you said. I mean, there's not many 20-year-old players who could break into a team like PSG right now and be better than Marquinhos if you're a centre-back, better than Neymar if you're a left-winger, better than Kylian Mbappe if you're a striker or Mauro Cardi. So I, I don't know who who they expect to be able to break into that team. And we see, we saw this season with, we saw with, with Kwasi and Aushish this season that it's, it's not completely impossible, but yet to be a regular in a team like this when you're 19... 
you will have to be very, very, very special. And there's not many very, very special players at that age right now, anywhere in the world, not just in Paris. So to take away that team where uh, those youngsters could go and get more experience, maturity, let's, let's remind people as well that in France, the reserve teams for, for uh, professional sides play in the fourth division, as we, as we said in the piece, or fifth division and, and below. So it's not even like it's, it's even actually better than in England, for example, where reserve teams just play with 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 kids of twenty or twenty one years of age. In France, at least you play against adults and you play against thirty year old something in a half like semi professional league. So the standard is pretty good. So it made no sense whatsoever for them to scrap that team and then only go with the under nineteen team, which obviously compete in the in the youth league uh, and also. At, you know, a, a very good level, but still, a, still a, a youth level. Not, not, nothing to do with with professional players, or they do, but in a different way, if you want. So, it was hard, and I just don't think, on the longer term, it will do the club any service. Yeah, you mentioned the region there, uh, and and how it's got it's it's a hotbed of footballing talent, and you know it, it does seem a waste, perhaps, that you know one of the one of the world's richest seams of of footballing pedigree is being underappreciated by its local club in a sense you know Ile-de-France has 12 million people I believe and and it, it's home to you know the scores of young footballers it's produced Thierry Henry, Kylian Mbappe and as you mentioned in the piece a, a third of uh, France's World Cup winning squad um, it's it, the Paris Saint-Germain have a tremendous pool to pick from but then you look at some of the transfer dealings and the players who PSG have brought in in recent times um Eric Maxim Chupomoting is probably the the one that always springs to mind uh, most, uh, and and you question whether financially it, and also in the interest of developing the, the young talent that they have there, it may have just been better to, or it may have made more sense to blood one of the younger players. Going back to sort of the region in particular, why do you think that Ile de France is is more conducive to producing top players, or at least a high volume of players? So there's a few there's a few reasons, uh, like I explained a bit in the piece. But if we can go a bit deeper, one, the amount of people who live there, obviously, there's around twelve to thirteen million people who live in Paris and in the area, the banlieue around. Whether it's it's the west suburbs, which is a bit posher, the north suburbs, quite tough suburbs, east a bit in between and south as well. So you already have a lot. Of, there's a lot of people in there. Then the grassroots system in France is very, very, very well organized with all the different leagues. You've got loads of clubs everywhere, especially in Paris, where you have also, which is very surprising for a big, for, for big capital like that, but you've got loads of football pitches everywhere, pretty much, where you can play all the time. But I think for me, the biggest thing is, is the, you know, the, the, the council estate areas, which are uh, very, very prominent in Paris, not so much in central Paris, but all around the, 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 the city. Uh, so it could create issues, of course, and, and you know we have we've had social issues and we still do and stuff like that. But also means that in those council estates you've got usually a, a big football pitch right in the middle of the blocks where everybody gathers and everybody plays for hours and hours and hours to end. And I think for me, you could give me any academy, any coaches, anything the, the best the best school to learn how to play football and to learn the technique and to have that in you is to play in the streets somewhere with your friends for hours and hours. And I think that's certainly how I started. That's how a lot of the, the players who play now at professional level who came from Paris started as well, play for the national team. If you look at Paul Pogba or Kylian Mbappe, he was all down their blocks, all playing with their mates from the council estate. 3v3, 4v4, 5v5, no referees, no fouls. You play with much bigger players, much older players who rough you up and beat you up and you can't say anything and you have to keep playing on. And the only thing you could do is be so good technically that no one can get the ball off you or every time you get the ball, you do something good with it and you avoid all the tackles and all the challenges and all the fouls and et cetera, et cetera. And I think Paris for me and Parisian players are all about technique and also if some of them are, are strong physically like, like Abu Dhabi or... Paul Pogba, who are the two that springs to mind because they were so strong and so tall, but also so good technically. It comes from there, it, you know, and, and it's, it's better if you've got the physical ability, of course, but if you're Wissam Ben Yedder or Riyad Mahrez and you're very skinny and short, then you have to develop your technicality. Otherwise, you don't exist in those kind of games because, you know, it's like war. 
you have that streetwise attitude from playing with your friends and you learn all those technical skills very, very quickly because you have to. And then on the other side, you've got all the other structure given to you by coaches in all those clubs in Paris and around Paris where you learn a bit more the rest of the game, if you want. And and I think the two combines, for me, makes it why this region is is the best in the world to produce young players and, and players. Then on top of that, you also have the, um, the Academy in Clafontaine, which is only for the players from the Paris region where Thierry went and Kylian went and all those players, Nicolas Anelka and many, many others, where it's in the Clairefontaine setup, so where the national team usually trains and all of that. And then you have the best of coaching that you could dream of as a 12-year-old until you're 15. So all, all, all of that put together, I think, explains why you've got this incredible wealth of talent and of technical abilities and, and footballing genius in, in many respects. Yeah, I mean, just just listening to to sort of your your monologue there about the um the the street football that that Parisian players enjoy from such a young age, I feel like it, it reminds me a little bit of the the cage football um aesthetic that that has has sort of swept across South London. Um, you know, you, there there are parallels there. I mean, even players like Jaden Sancho who grew up in in Camberwell in South London. Totally, yeah, Sterling as well, yeah. Yeah, exactly, Raheem Sterling. The, you know, these these players who who are excellent technically. Um, who, who you, you know, as you say, like Riyad Mahrez is perhaps may not be, you know, the most physical or most uh, the, the the stockiest, but they're able to to you know command the ball on the pitch with their f- fantastic technique. Um, just moving on to sort of the the, the hierarchy of, of PSG, uh, Luis Fernandez, who was the former player and manager who who was head of the academy until recently, um, he's is a, a person you mentioned in your piece for ESPN, uh, but he he left under a cloud, uh, dissatisfied with the way that things were going regarding uh, young players. Um, you touch on that in the piece, but that's that's one area that you know the interclub politics that always really interests me. I mean, would you be able to tell us more about that? How how the fallout went and and why he ended up leaving? Yes, it's very interesting because as as great the talent is in that academy and and as we said all around in Paris, this is still a club that has huge issues with the way they run their academy which is a real shame because when you see the result of it and all those players that went through there, whether they left or stayed or, you know, whatever, you think, imagine if this was run in a much better, efficient way, the results would be even better because there's some very good youth coaches in in that setup. But the lack of leadership, the changes at the top, so Luis Fernandez is one, you've had... I mean, I won't bore people with names, but they, first of all, they wanted to go a bit like La Masia, so they brought people in from Spain. Those people didn't stay long. There was Luis Fernandez. They had Bertrand Rezo, who, who for the people who follow French youth football and setup, Rezo is, is is a great mind of academy football and, and youth football in France. Came to Paris and left very quickly as well to go back to the south of France and now is at Monaco. So the cha- it kept changes, and obviously, as you would know. Every time someone comes in, he has a vision. Well, you would hope so. He has a vision and he has an idea and he has a philosophy. But often that philosophy, so they're all different, obviously. So imagine for a young player, you have someone coming in and say, okay, this is how we're going to play. Then the year after, there's someone new. And the year after, there's someone new. And also, uh, there should always be a, a very strong link, I think, between the academy and your first team. Obviously, Ajax being the best example of all, but that was never really the case in Paris. So I think all the, the lack of leadership, the lack of of commune, like commune line, if you want, between through the whole club that you could have from your under-10s all the way to your first team, first team in a way. You don't all have to play 4-3 football, and have, but at least have, some, have like a plan in common where everybody sticks to it, it's the same vision, it's the idea. But when you change head of the academy all the time, when you change your coaches all the time, when you've got Thiago Mota, for example, who comes in, it's a great idea. He was a great player, great servant to the club. You could, I think you you could see that he has something in him to one day become a very good coach. And he starts coaching your your youth team, but he has a completely different idea of to do what 
Unai Emery does for the first team, for example, and he's, he's in complete conflict with the rest of the team and the rest of the club, and then he ends up only staying for one year and then he goes again. Like, this is not good. I don't think he's good for anyone at your club. And despite all the money they put in, which is 10 million euros a year, which is a lot of money for an academy, not many clubs put that much money for the academy. But when you have that money, and it's great, when you have, as we said, all those great talents already from under nines all the way to under 19, and you, you underuse it and you underwork with it in many respects because there's a big lack of leadership, organization, ideas, anything you want, despite the good coaches that are there right now, it's, I think it's a real shame. Yeah, for sure. There's going to be a great deal of disruption when when you're changing the leadership personnel, um, you know, year on year, as you say, you know, you mentioned a few a few names there, you know, Unai Emery and, and Thiago Mota and, and people like that. And I suppose it's, it's perhaps a reflection of, of the hierarchy and, and, and the club owners, you know, they're, they're, they're clamoring for instantaneous success, which perhaps, well, it definitely doesn't come from, from playing 18, 19 year olds and gradually getting them up to speed. So, yeah, you can see why that policy may be in place as, as unbelievable and as, as detrimental to, to the rich seam of talent that there is there uh, as it is. Leonardo is the current director of football at PSG, um, a role which he left in 2013, but last June he returned to. I mean, what, what, I mean, what is your opinion on Leonardo and his position at the club and, and sort of what has been said on him you know, regarding the, the club's young players? Is it a lot of promising one thing, i.e. game time for them, and then sort of doing another altogether? So I think Leonardo coming back is is great. Uh, he obviously was a former player there. He he I think he understands the club. He understands the fans. Uh, and when he arrived, and when the Qatari arrived in 2011, the idea was very clear. It was yes, we will have a lot of money and we will spend it, and they did certainly. But also the idea was to find the next Leo Messi in in the academy and nurture it in the academy, like I write in the piece at the beginning, instead of going to spend 200 million to buy him. I mean, they did with Kylian Mbappe and in their dream, they would have had Kylian when he was 13. Instead of him going to Monaco, he would have come to Paris. I think that was the idea. They, they missed out on him for different reasons that maybe we can talk on about later. But but that's, that was very much the idea. That's great. That's a great idea. I love I love the idea. And then, like you said, when you go and buy Chupamoteng, I've got nothing against Chupamoteng, but that devalues a lot of what you've been saying on, okay, we're going to work a lot with the academy to be able to find the next superstar. You know, even don't have to be big superstar, but, you know, great players that we can then put into the academy. I've, I have a lot of pride as a PSG fan and myself, a Parisian born and bred, when I see three, four, five Parisian players who've gone through the academy when we had, you know, Kimpembe and Rabio, for example, and then Areola in goal, and then you had Diabio and Kunku, and suddenly you had four, five players from the academy in your team. This is fantastic. As a fan, this is fantastic. And and I do believe that they have talent, enough talent in there to be able to do that. But one, you need the patience and you need the desire to be able to do that. And I do think that Leonardo has that in him. He, re- he recognises how important the academy could be for the club. When you see... I've mentioned him before, but the young Tanguy Kwasi, who's, um, you know, who was 17, broke into the first team in the second half of this season, did fantastically well, both as centre-back and, at, and as holding midfielder. He, he just turned 18, I think, yesterday or the day before, yesterday or this week or last week. If you let him go for free now, because he, he still hasn't signed his first professional contract, you would not just lose a very, very talented, promising young player, but also you might end up buying him back in five years' time for 100 million euros because you were unable to keep him at a time where he didn't feel like maybe you trusted him enough or there was a a clear pathway for him towards regular football in the first team, which I think is crazy. It's crazy when he's that good and clearly everybody can can see. And I think Leonardo, far more than Antero Enrique, far more than Patrick Clovet before him or the one who, who, who came between his two spells at the club, recognize that as much as Leonardo. So great news in terms of young players and academy for a PSG for Leonardo for, for the return of Leonardo. I think he's trying hard to to give new new to, to give professional contracts to the players who are really good and deserve it. Like Kwasi, like Awushish, like others in the under 19 teams. The the issue that I think he has right now as well is that he knows that in the time that he left 
the the fact that the academy went a bit like was not so much the priority anymore. You have a lot of players like Kylian Mbappe who thought, you know what, I would like to play for PSG and I would like to join the academy. But what happens if I do join? Do, do, will I get a contract? Will I get game time with the first team? I don't think so. Kingsley Command didn't get any. Moussa Dembele didn't get any before. So instead, they go to Le Havre or they go to Auxerre or they go to Monaco or they go to Nantes or they go to Rennes and they go to Lille. But they don't go to Paris. And I think Leonardo has realised if we keep losing those players, he also shows and sends the wrong message to other youngsters, 11-year-old, 12, 13, from the Paris area that we want to sign for our academy but we'll end up snubbing us to go to another club because they know that they won't play with us. And I think it's it's very important for Leonardo right now to try to keep Kwasi especially and Aushish as well. The problem as well with, with losing your best young players is that it sends the completely wrong message to the other one who are thinking about joining, but we'll end up not joining because they see what happened to players before them. So that's certainly the, the case, you know, from from my perspective, and that's the way that that I've certainly seen the way that PSG have conducted their business in recent years in terms of you know allowing their young players to leave. I mean, Bubakari Sumare, who you just mentioned there, you know, the the, the prospect of letting him leave on a free transfer um, when he was sort of one of the one of the better players in that academy setup, you know, to go to Lille um, for free is it's beggar's belief, really, because you know that that is a player that. Further down the line, as you say with Tongi Kuasi, you know you could end up paying you know twenty, thirty, forty million for him uh, in future when you could have just held on to him, offered him the minutes and stuff. And and I suppose it's the same with Kuasi. You know, if if Kuasi is good enough, why not offer him a contract which is which is going to reflect his increased importance, which no doubt he he wants the assurances on. Um, you know, it, it is a lot more cost effective than spending a hundred million further down the line, um, even if you do have the, the obscene wealth that, that the Qataris do. But the contracts, the contracts are on the table. They were on. He, it was on the table for for Sumare. It was on the table for Kaman. It was on the table for Dembele. It was on the table for everyone. The the, the interesting. Uh, thing here is why they don't sign it. So they don't sign it because they don't think they're going to play much. I mean, Coman lost patience with with Laurent Blanc, who Laurent Blanc, and he would always admit it, was not keen on young players. So what do you do if you're Coman and you know you're good enough to play for that team and you know the manager who is there and might be there for years to come will not play you because he won't play young players or he's very reluctant to play them, then you don't stay. So you don't sign that deal. There's also the agent side of things where for them, it's far better if you take away that young player before signing his first contract in Paris so he can live for free and then you sign your first professional contract, let's say, at Lille, where you would get a big signing on fee. You get probably better wages, so the commissions on your wages for, the, for, your, for, your, for your client, for your young player, is much better than if you maybe had stayed in Paris. So there's also the influence, and we see with Kwasi. Kwasi wants to stay in Paris. Kwasi, I think, is very happy there. He's very well integrated in that dressing room. There's a lot of people in the dressing room that look after him, like Marquinhos. He likes that a lot. His agent, is, for him, is, is far more pushing to go to RB Leipzig, for example, or to go to Milan, where the signing on fee will be better. The wages will be better as well because those clubs are ready to pay more, I think, and to, to, to top up what PSG are offering right now. So for him, it's a different... And, and also, RB Leipzig wouldn't be a bad call at all for Kwasi. So the agent has that name and said, look, look at Nkunku, look at all the other young players and all, you know, et cetera, et cetera, all the examples that RB Leipzig have produced and give them a great platform and now look where they are. So I can, I can see the difficulty of it. If you're the young player, you're 17, you've got what you want to do and sometimes it's very clear I can't stay here because I'm not going to play with the first team let's go somewhere else fair enough sometimes you might want to stay but your agent is is directing you towards another direction and, and maybe that's a good thing maybe it's not a good thing and maybe you will succeed but we've seen also players going to RB Salzburg or RB Leipzig and it hasn't worked out for them so far like Bernet you know or mm-hmm. people, people players like that from the academy so it is it is, it is difficult but, but you're right until they until there is a clear pathway and Leonardo says to them, listen, we need you and you will play. You'll have a decent game time in the first team, even if you're 19 or 20. They will keep losing those young players. Uh, yeah, I completely echo everything you've said there. I mean, it it, it is a case of that the contracts are there, they are in place. But it's, you know, why would you sign a contract um, if, you, if you're if you just going to be stuck in limbo between an under-19 team and, and the first team? Um, as, as Loic Mbeso is uh, at present and we, we'll get on to him um, very shortly. Um, but I mean, the thing that always that always 
you know gets on my mind is that you know of course Ligue 1 is a competitive division but but PSG have largely dominated the league over the past decade since the Qatari takeover um you know last season they won the, the title by 16 points uh, it was 13 points the season before um 31 points between first and second in 2015-16 you know even if you subbed out a few of the bigger name first team players you know I'm not saying the Neymars or Icardi's or Mbappe's maybe the Kazawas or, or the Draxlers for example you know, in favour of playing more of these young players, you know, more Tangi Kwasis, more Adil Oshish, um and Sumare three years ago, would would the drop off be so stark that they would lose their grip on the title? Because I don't, I don't think so. You know, we only need to look at uh, Monaco's 2016-17 group and the youngsters who you know catapulted the, that that club back to the summit of French football, and and of course the the league and title. Um, uh, you know, admittedly, that was with the considerable help of of Russian billionaire uh, Dmitry Robovyev, and and of course the 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 huge scouting network of sporting director Luis Campos. But you know, PSG have those resources as much as Monaco to build a competitive team which integrates young players because they have that the benefit of having that that Ile de France region to to pick from. I mean, I, I suppose it, it can be argued that Monaco's success that year was some way attributable to to PSG's inaction in luring the region's best players to their academy because they couldn't promise that pathway to first-team football. Um, you touched on earlier Kylian Mbappe, you know, uh, as one of those players that, you know, they had to sign back for the best part of 200 million euros. And it does seem like a ridiculous fee for someone who was on their doorstep uh, as a teenager playing at Bondi. Um, but, you know, he of course, he is a, he is a Parisian native. I mean, why have why have PSG not been recruiting these players as teenagers? You know, playing for clubs like Bondi. You know, because they, surely they have the resources, and it just doesn't make sense to me that you know you you have this huge well of talent, as you say, um, but you're not willing to to produce it and to, to develop it. No, no, they are willing. That's the thing. They are willing, but the problem is, as we've touched upon earlier, the players don't choose the PSG academy. Kylian could have gone pretty much every single age group between the age of 10 and 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 when he left to Monaco and decided to, to, to make that move from from Paris to Monaco, he could have gone at, at 10 years old, at 11, at 12, at 13, at 14, and then at 15, he decided to go to go somewhere else. But they were there. They discussed they discussed it with the, with the, with his father, with his mother. Same with Paul Pogba's family. Same with... There's, there's so many that they missed that on uh, that they really wanted that then went on to become you know, top, top players for, for France. But those two, Pogba and Mbappe, especially are the most striking one. I mean, Thierry Henry as well, if we, then we go back a few more years. But it's, it's, those, those kids have the choice. Okay, it's either I go to Paris or I go to, to, to another club. If I, if I go to Paris, what's my prospect? What can I do? And like we, we were explaining before, the, the, the pathway is not as clear. Uh, although for Kylian it was a bit difficult at times in Monaco for other reasons, but so they go okay. I go to Monaco if I'm if I'm Olivier Capo, who I played with. Capo had the choice between pretty much every single club in France. He, he ended up going to Auxerre, who then in 1994 or five was the best academy in France, instead of going to PSG because. At the time, PSG were even more in disarray for the academy than, than apart from Nicolas Anelka, that they were now, that they are now. So it's, it's always a, a question of, is that the right call for me? Is that the right choice? And they will always, they can't have all the best talent from the Paris region. It's impossible. One, because there's too many. And two, because other academies who do really, really good work in France, as we mentioned, like Monaco, like Rennes, like Lens, like Lille, like Auxerre, still like Nantes, all those things like Toulouse as well, you know, they, they also come and get those players. They've got scouts everywhere in the Paris region. They go and see every single game on Sunday afternoons under 15, under 17, under 13. They're everywhere in the top league, in the one just below. They, the, the, I mean, the scouting network of all those French clubs in the Paris region is, is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And now even English clubs and German clubs also have scouts for under 13, under 15 in the Paris region. It's, it's incredible. So, PhD will miss out on some, but I think it's very important for them to really focus the target on, on at least getting some of the best of those age groups that still go through the nets 
because as we said it's just not clear enough what the pathway is it's not clear enough what the vision of the academy is it's not clear enough the work they do they do there and I, and I'm hoping that Leonardo coming back to the club will be able to put a bit more discipline and organization into the the, the PSG academy because he deserves better than what he has and he already has a lot yeah, in your piece, you know, you mentioned the the likes of, you know, those players, the ones who've gone through similar situations, um, who believed that, you know, the pathway wouldn't be there for them. So they decided to chance their arms somewhere else, perhaps at other French uh, academies, or once they'd come through the PSG Academy, and uh, they found that, you know, they weren't going to get those opportunities in the first team once they'd sort of established themselves as fringe players. Um you know, Moussa Diaby, Christopher Nkunku, both who went to the Bundesliga, um, Timothy Weir, uh, Odson Edouard, uh, Yassine Adli, Kingsley Coman, you know, you've listed them all. And, you know, they've all proven that they are good enough at the top level. You know, it's not like they're they're letting these players go and, and when only one makes the grade elsewhere. You know, there are five or six or seven from every group. And I suppose that is a testament to the quality of the academy, uh, as you've been saying. But, but the club will tell you the aim is to win the Champions League. Bayer Leverkusen, they're not playing to win the Champions League. They're not even playing to win the Bundesliga. So mm-hmm. in Paris, they will say, okay, the aim is to win the Champions League. Thomas Tuchel's mission is to win the Champions League. Thomas Tuchel's mission is not like Eric Ten Hag to develop young players and then to be able to sell them to bigger clubs. So he will argue Thomas Tuchel. And I, and I, and I, although I disagree, I understand his position in a way. We're saying like, okay, that's great. But if do I have more chances of winning the Champions League if I play... Marquinhos and Thiago Silva for 90% of the season domestically. So I'm sure that they, they're super ready than when we go and, to, and play in the Champions League games. Or do I have more chances to win the Champions League if I do 50% of games with Marquinhos and Kwasi as centre-backs and 50% of Marquinhos and Thiago Silva at the back? He will said, I want to play Marquinhos and Thiago Silva as much as possible. So then when we play against Barcelona and Juventus and Man City and Liverpool, they're super ready to face those, those strikers because the understanding they have, the, the way they play together, blah, 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 blah. You know, we can... So, I, I see what Thomas Tuchel wants to do and where, what he's there for, what his job is and what the target is. And obviously, then, if you think about developing young players, you say, well, that, that's not my job. This is not my job. This is this is not our club. That Our club is not here to, you know, provide a platform for all those young, very talented players because they, they all are, as you said, all the names that left the club. I mean, it's an incredible starting eleven if you put them all together. But but this is not us. And that's why I think you can't be like Ajax if you're PSG. This is not, this is not what you're here for. You can't completely ignore your academy either because it, this would be silly because, as we said, there's so much talent in there. So find the right... Find, uh, find the the right balance, find the, the middle in between the two, which I don't think they have right now. Maybe they will one day and maybe they will need a golden generation, like one year where you have three, four, five outstanding youngsters, a bit like the class of 92, and then you can bring them all through. But I can see as well why it's maybe a bit more complicated than just us just saying, okay, they've got all that talent, they don't use it, and then the players end up leaving either before they sign pro in Paris so they go for free or after a few seasons with the first team like Diaby and Nkunku and they go for 15, 20 million or Augustin or people like that and you still lose them. I think it's more complicated than that and I get it, but it's still very frustrating, I think, to see where they are and where they could be or where they should be even in regards of young players and, and, and that sort of policy of developing young players. Yeah, I suppose I'm I'm looking through a very biased under twenty three lens from from that sort of perspective because I want to see these players develop at a top club um, like Paris Saint Germain. But of course, Tuchel and the club's vision will be different. It's you know it's focused on success. You know they they, they as you mentioned they want the Champions League and that they make no uh, they make no mistake about making that very clear. So I do get that. That sort of um, that's that entire focus that is from the top to the bottom of the club and and why they make the the decisions that they do. I suppose that's probably one of the reasons why uh, I've been so disheartened that that Adi Loshish, um, who is a player that I think is absolutely fantastic, you know, the prospect of him potentially leaving the club this summer um, is is such a shame. But and 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 obviously that comes with the uncertainty of where he goes next, you know, because if he went to a, a, I don't know a club like Juventus where you know he 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 would be married managed by Mauricio Sarri. Personally, I don't think that would be a fantastic move for him. Whereas if he was given the time in Paris Saint Germain's side, I think he could end up being a very a top top player. But of course, you know that's ifs and buts and maybe's. Um, 
and you, we've, we've both touched on uh, Tongi Kwasi and, and just uh, Oshish there, um, who are the two high-profile players who who may leave uh, the club uh, this summer. Um, in terms of how regularly they could play, if the pathway was there in Paris, if it was offered, you know, at what level do you do you rate these these two youngsters in terms of how often could they play if the opportunity w- was there? I, th- I think they're fantastic. Uh, I think they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, for the listeners who haven't haven't seen them play, and I would not blame you for it. But Kwasi had a, had a wonderful second part of the season where he played a lot in the league. I think he had 13 games in, in all competitions in the Champions League, in the league, either as a centre-back where he's, he's very good because he's quick, he's strong, he's 1m87. He, he reached the game quite well. There's still a lot of work to be done on his positioning and his tactical awareness. But again, he's only he's only turned 18 a few days ago, as we said. So we can forgive him for that. But I mean, physically and, and also on the ball, he's improved a lot on the ball this year with, with Tuchel, I think. But physically, he's he's incredible. Uh, Aushish is a different player. He's an attacking midfielder. Uh, he, he can play in, in, in a lot of different positions as a second striker, wide, as a winger. I, I, as a number 10 behind two strikers, for example, I think he can even play in midfield three in the sort of like number eight position because I think he he runs enough to be able to do that. Not so sure about the defending, but but Aushish technically is one of the most gifted, I think, of all all that generation, not just in France, but in the whole of Europe. We, we saw it, you know, with, the under, with France um, uh, youth teams as well last summer when he he did he did so well and you could al- already see although France didn't win the tournament you could see how good he was and how better than everybody else he was in in the way he created goals and his assist and his the, the position that he picks up always between the lines the intelligence that he has is is wonderful so for me there's no doubt Aushish played I think one league game and one French Cup games where he actually scored a goal as well. Uh, so less than Kwasi, but he also plays in positions where the competition is far higher than, than for Kwasi's, I think. So so maybe that's why he, he played a bit less. For Kwasi, for me, it makes no sense of leaving. He He's already part of that team. You know, he, he started last season, he didn't have his name on the shirt because he hadn't signed pro. He was not in the in the initial squads for the first team. By the end of the season, everybody knew his name. You know, everybody wanted to... There, there were praises everywhere for him. It would make no sense. He's already part of that team with Thiago Silva leaving, which the club has just told him that his contract would, would not be renewed. That means that Kwasi would have even more game time, you would think, because there would be Kimpembe, Marquinhos, and, and him, you would think, as the three main centre-backs. And even if someone else comes, it would still be... You know, part of it instead of being like number five or six down the pecking order, like it was this season or last season, this is going to be completely different. So you can't tell me, oh, he's leaving because there's no pathway to the first team. He's already part of the first team squad. If you tell me, oh, he's not going to play much, this is not true. This is BS. If you tell me, oh, he's going to leave because we're going to make more money somewhere else, fair enough. If you tell me that RB Leipzig is a better platform for young players than PSG is, no problem. But don't tell me that he has to leave because he's not going to play much next season. That's not true. Aushish is a bit different because, yes, he's not going to play as much as, as Kwasi, for sure. We all know that. But I still think that for his development, I mean, training with Neymar and Kylian Mbappe every day, and he will play because I think, uh, you know, Chupamutang is out of contract, so he will go. I think Draxler will leave as well. You will have some movement in kind of his position, I think, at the club. And if you if you answer the trust that Leonardo has for for you, and you said, okay, I trust you, Leonardo. I believe what you said to me that you know I will be part of that squad. Uh, I will play. I won't play every game and every minute of every single game. But you tell me that I will play, so I believe you. Then you sh- you know you you show that you respond to that trust. And then if you respond to the trust, I think good thing can come to you. But for Kwasi, it makes no sense. For Aushish, I could understand why he would want to go, although I would love him to stay. Yeah, likewise, I'd love him to stay. And I suppose, as you say, that there is a reasonable expectation of trust if Leonardo was to say, you know, uh, you will play. Uh, but I suppose that that's what it's different in uh, in theory, you know, saying it and then putting it in practice because you don't know how the season is going to pan out. Uh, Thomas Tuchel might be pressured to to play more uh, more senior players with more experience if if the going gets tough, for example, in, in the Champions League next season. So it, it is all up in the air, essentially. 
But, but you know, just, just quickly, just before, and I want your opinion on that as well, because the issue I have with some of the young players, and I will never, ever forget at the Euros 2012, being at some point, finding myself at a dinner next to Marvin Martin, who at the time was the next Zinedine Zidane for France. He burst onto the scene with, with, with Sochaux and then with France, and it was incredible. The first few games, it was fantastic. And I remember his brother saying at the Euros, where they were much better players than, no offense to him and to his brother, but they were much, much better players than, than Marvin Martin, more experienced, already more you know, more settled in the team and etc. And his brother saying to me, it's a disgrace that my brother is not playing much in this tournament. He should, he should start every game. And the issue I have is a lot of those young players actually really believe that they deserve to start every single game for PSG or for Juventus or for Real Madrid or for Arsenal or for Manchester United or Manchester City or whatever. And the issue I have with them is you are so talented as a 17-year-old, but don't tell me that you deserve to start every single game for that team. And I find that a lot of them really believe either what the agent says or what the dad says or what the brother says, that they are the best, that they are this, that they are that, that they should play every game and every minute. And, and then they ended up making, for a lot of them, the wrong calls and the wrong choices and the wrong decisions. I don't know if you have that feeling, but certainly for me, when I had to, do a, to deal a lot with parents or agents of those young kids, that's the feeling that I had and certainly a lot of the answers that I got from them. Yes, of course. A player like Adil Oshish is extremely and supremely talented, but I don't think he or his representatives, you know, well, I don't think his family or representatives will be advising him best by saying that you deserve to be in this Paris Saint-Germain team over the likes of Mbappe, Neymar, you know, even, even Draxler and players like that. But I do, I, the Marvin Martin, I, I do remember, um, not from his time at Sochaux, but um, from his time at Lille. And he did seem like rather underwhelming, you know, uh, and it surprised me that he was... He, he had been a French international. But yeah, I think in terms of uh, how, how players are advised, that is, a, that is an issue. And that is why uh, time and time again, I've said that um, Adil Oshish, his next move, as in, you know, if he gets a contract uh, at PSG or if he does end up having to make that move, it will be probably the most important of his career because it could take him to a, somewhere like Saint-Étienne, which, um, yes, he'll play football. Is it perhaps the best environment? Who knows? I mean, they've done okay with, with William Saliba. But in terms of, I, I, I don't, I, I think that if he was to move on, it would have to be a very sensible, measured focus move on terms of his career development rather than where he's going to get the biggest payday, um, which, of course, may be motivations of, of agents. You know, we, of course, we, we can't say definitively, but, you know, that, as you were saying earlier, you know, the agent fee of, of moving a young player to a new club is, of course, going to be higher than if he signs a new contract at, at PSG where, where he already is. If you, think, if you look at Yassin Adli, for example, who... Yeah, Yassin Adli is a perfect example. Exactly, who is very much like Aushish is now. And I remember a few uh, scouts for English clubs calling me and said, what do you think about Adli? You know, and he was so good with the France youth teams. He was, I mean, he's so elegant as well. Everything looks so easy to him. He's, he's got that creative touch and the technical abilities. It's fantastic. He left and he went to Bordeaux. I'm not really sure that that move to Bordeaux actually has worked that well for him so far. I mean, he's still quite young, but he played a few games in Ligue 1, probably more than if he'd stayed, I guess. He scored a few goals, but it was not like, oh, this is the, you know, this is, this is the making of a great player or it's him like finally ex exploding at the top level, that kind of stuff. So, as you said very, very rightly, sometimes you feel like, okay, I'm going to move and this is much better for him. And he actually ended up not being that great. Yeah, because there are so many parallels there in terms of the the player, the position that Adli and Oshish play in, um, in terms of their, their respective styles, their classiness on the ball, but also the prospect of you know going to a club like Saint-Étienne or, or Bordeaux, you know, very similar stature in, in in Ligue 1, and whether that would be necessarily be the best thing for a player at the age of 17, 18. Um, because you know Adley went to Bordeaux and, and didn't play for the first season effectively. You know, of course, he's broken into the team a bit more now, but. You know, he's in terms of the hype that was around him while he was in, you know, Paris Saint Germain's academy and kind of on the cusp of of breaking into that first team setup and very much in the same situation as Ashish now. You know, I don't think that his stock now currently is as high as it was then, even though he's now had much more experience at the top level. Which I think it would be a shame if the same happened to Ashish. But then again, on the flip side, you know, who's to say that Adli won't 
you know, move from Bordeaux somewhere and 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 end up being a fantastic player in another team. You know, it, there there are so many caveats to it because it relies on managers, it relies on trust, it relies on the players around them, um, it relies on systems, and 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 all of that all encompasses how a player will develop, and and that's even before we get onto the issue of how a player will adapt to a new environment, how they will be away from their family. You know, all of these things have such a bearing on how a player will perform. You're so right. I also think, and this is no arrogance from 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 my part as a as a PSG fan, but some of those young players were not good enough at the time, and 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 are still not good enough now to play for that PSG first team. So then, okay, you leave the club, and it's a shame because you can live on a free, and and your dream was maybe to play at the Paris de Prince one day, and that might not happen now, but it might happen five years down the line. As we said, you could always come back. And Moussa Diaby the other day on French Television said. I had to leave because I wanted to play more and I knew that my game time would still be a bit restricted this season at PSG and it's great what's happening to me about Everton but, but the dream is for me to go back, to go back as an established player, to to be, to be go back as a starter in, in, in the first team there. So, you know, I get all of that but let's not forget as well and that's why Leonardo, I think, is briefing a lot of people. Some of them are just not good enough and, and that's the reality and it's, it's a shame but not everybody could be good enough to play for PSG or for... Barcelona, uh, as good as they could be in the academy, the step between the reserve team or the under-19 team to the first team is huge. And I think a lot of people who are just fans or, or get into a bit of football don't realise how big the step is. And sometimes even the players themselves, 17, 18-year-old, don't realise how hard it is to go from the under-19 or the reserve team into the first team. And a lot of players would take years to be able to get to that level. And we see with Ismail Benasser, very good example. He comes to Arsenal as a 17-year-old. Now he's at Milan and Manchester City and PSG are very interested in signing him. And people said to me, oh, that's again Arsenal, they messed that up. No, they didn't. He was just not good enough at the time. They took him. He played for them. He had some really good games with the youth teams. He even played, I remember, in the League Cup. And he was happy there. But the development was not as quick as the club. We're hoping it would be. So the, the best thing for him was to go. It's just that that was not his time. And Benasser certainly had a lot of talent and a lot of qualities, but that was just too early because, as you said, there's so many things that you have to take into consideration, like maturity as well. And as a 17-year-old, some are ready to play first in football and a lot of them are not ready at all. Yeah, completely. I mean, it's it's perfectly okay for a manager or, or a club's hierarchy to to deem a young player not ready or not good enough um, at a certain point because you know when a young player develops and and finally matures uh, and when their contract expires and um, perhaps don't align, so it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a, a, a suitable decision to offer them a huge deal based on a player who's still sort of teetering on the edge of being a nobody or on maybe not good enough and also being a star player. I mean, you look at one huge famous example is, of course, Paul Pogba at Manchester United. You know, he goes there from Le Havre and, and of course, Sir Alex Ferguson doesn't deem him to be good enough at that time and he moves on. And then a few years later, you know, ends up signing for 89, 90 million. You know, that that's because he obviously, he, he matured more at, at Juventus. He developed into the player that, that he is today. Um so yeah, I think it's it's perfectly okay to make those decisions. Perhaps the ones like Musa Diaby to say that you know he's maybe not going to be good enough to break into the first team. Yes, he's a very talented player, but we're going to have to move them on. And of course, that is the the the, the other side to the conversation we've been having about PSG and and all and their academy and, and letting players go. I just wanted to move on just to um, uh, Loic Umbeso, who is a, a centre back, French international youth international, um, and is another who is is supremely talented, you know, very physical, but very good on the ball as well. Um, if you're somebody like him right now, you're seeing the situation that's that's playing out with Tongi Kouassi. You know, you're up and coming. Um, you're captain of PSG's under-19 side in, in the UEFA Youth League. Um, but you've played less than an hour of first-team football for PSG um, this season. And I think it was at, at right-back as well. You know, he's got a year left on his contract. At this point, what is he and his agent going to be thinking? You know, is he going to be plotting a move? What, what's going on? Yeah, it's a very interesting case because, like you said, he certainly looked like one of the most talented of that generation. Uh, I thought he was ready, I have to say. I thought he was ready before, uh, clearly. Thomas Tuchel, although he trains mostly with the first team this season as well, or at least very regularly, they, they didn't give him much game time at all. Like you said, I think it's two games twice he, he came on for less than, less than an hour uh, with, the, with the first team. And, and then you see 
Kwasi, who's your mate, just just you know take over overtaking you in the in sort of the pecking order, or at least in the in the in the coach's preferences, and he plays a lot. It must be frustrating, and I believe he's a bit frustrated. Uh, it's a big call to make. Either you run your contract down and you give it another go next season, and then you can go for free, and maybe that's the right thing to do because. I don't know if PSG would be able to sign a right-back. Uh, I don't think Mbeso's best position is a right-back, certainly a centre-back, but I think he could do a good job there. So do you get into that rotation at right-back with, with Kerrer and, and Dagba? That's a, that's a possibility, that's an option. Do you give your best a centre-back and you're hoping that if he stays like you know, if he stays like it is now, Marquinhos, we said, Kimpembe, obviously, Kerrer can play there, but Kwasi as well. There might be a chance for Mbeso as well to get a few minutes there and there. But are you satisfied with that? It's, it's really tricky. And, I, and you know, we've we've been talking a lot about players and the agent, the families, and all the different options. I I know it's not easy as well for a player. I'm sure Loki Mbeso in his dreams will stay at PSG maybe all his career, play very regularly with the first team, win a lot of trophies, and that would be great. So I know it's not easy for them to make that decision what do I do now I don't want to I really don't want to leave I don't really want to go but do, is that better for me who do I listen the most you know do I go with my girls do I go with what my agent says Do I go with what my dad says what, and, I, and they're so young and for a lot of them they're not really prepared for that kind of dilemma for that kind of, of, of choice to make and, and it must be really hard I, I think he will stay I believe his, his agent at Stella Group so they're a very powerful group very good agent as well and and I'm really hoping that we make the right decision. I would I would advise him to stay, run your contract down, see what Leonardo offers you or not, and then give your best to try to get into the rotation, either right back or centre back next season, and and then maybe make you know see in January what what the first half of the season has given you. But it's I I know that for some of them like him, it must be a very very hard uh, decision to take. Absolutely. I mean, it's an enormous decision for, for anyone and for, for such a young person at 18 years old, you know, forget that he's even a football player. I mean, as a person, you know, potentially having to move to a, a part of France or a part of the world that he's never, you know, lived in before um, by himself being the main man, that's all going to throw up so many different issues. Um and yeah, you mentioned the, the stuff there about Leonardo and see, about Mbeso sort of running his contract down, seeing what offer uh, Leonardo can can put before him. And if, as you say, you know Leonardo is going to perhaps try and bring back that um, the, the focus uh, towards um, you know maybe producing more players and giving them that opportunity in in the first team rather than you know maybe the the approaches of Antero Henrico or, or Patrick Cliver in in recent years. Um, then yes, that that'll be a very interesting uh, little storyline to play out. I think in a year's time, or maybe in nine months' time, or six months, or whenever it will be. Um, but yeah, I mean, how in terms of Leonardo's p- position? Yeah, of course, he is the sporting director. Thomas Tuchel is the coach, and ultimately, the coach is the one who picks the team and decides whether he's good enough to play in the games that are going to decide whether he is sacked or giving a new contract. Um, what realistically, if a sporting director is going to offer first team football to a, a player who is on the on the brink of the first team, like Umbiso, what realistically can they do if if you know the, there is maybe a disconnect between the, the management and, and the and the club hierarchy? It's a very good que- it's a very good question. I think uh, I think Tuchel and Leonardo, although Tuchel is not Leonardo's man, and I, I don't know how long that will last. I, I believe that if the pandemic hadn't happened. I don't really think that Tuchel would have been there next season. But, I mean, Leonardo is quite clear. This, you know, PSG are not a team that brings through a lot of young players. Again, as we said before, and I think people people understand that, they, they are not Ajax. That's, that's not what they are. It's to be like Man City. At some point, Jadon Sancho had to go. They kept Phil Foden because they, they, they could only focus on, on one super talented youngsters, not two, let alone all the others. Uh, and I think... There's a very similar feeling in in Paris right now. Of course, Leonardo wants to make the right choice and and you would want to keep Kwasi instead of buying him back in in, in three or four years' time for 50 million euros. So so I think some choices are are easier to make with Kwasi. It's a no-brainer. I think with Aushish as well, but not at any cost because they're asking a lot of money uh, for him to stay in Paris as well. So there's, there's also that element. It's tricky. If you look at the, the list of the players that who left, some have been great success and, and you have to, to give them credit for that. Obviously, like, like Coman, like Dembele, 
like Ikone, like it's Otson Edouard who's doing great at Celtic and good for him. Uh, Zagadou as well, Sumare in a, in a certain way too. But a lot of others, it hasn't really worked out. Like we mentioned Adli and there's many others. I mean, Claudio Gomez at Man City, I'm really waiting to see what's next for him because I'm not really convinced this one is going to work out, or at least in this setup. So I think Leonardo is very much aware, like we've said before, some some can work, others won't work, and there's no point keeping them at the club if, if they're not going to work. It's also easier, I think, for Leonardo to sell an Embesso now for, let's say, I don't know, 10 million euros, because that will help you a lot with financial fair play. Let's not forget that Diaby and Kunku, uh, Timothy Weah as well, uh, left with, with a few others for around 50 million euros last summer. That's a lot of money for a club like PSG who's always on the thin edge with financial fair play. To get that kind of money for those those players who have hardly played for you or have played but a bit more as a fringe player than regular starters, this is really good money. Uh, and because you can't sell the likes of Draxler because he doesn't want to go and he's on huge wages, it's easier for you, for you to sort of balance your books with those sales than... Kurzawa out of the door or Draxler out of the door like that. So that's as well, there's, a, there's an economic sense for Leonardo to try to keep some of them, even if it's just to sell them on in, in two or three years' time for a bit of money there. So, okay, we can't give all those kids a, a professional contract. Not all of them will be good enough one day to play. We have some that we're pretty sure would be, will be good enough, Aushish and Kwasi especially. Let's focus a lot on them. Uh, there's the others where we could play them a little bit and give them some contracts, but we will sell them on two or three years down if the development is not as good as, as we would like, for example. But, but in a way, Joe, I think they're in a strong position too because they have all those options. The ones who are good enough and they can keep and they will play and become very good players for them, like Kipembe. The ones who maybe are not just good enough for PSG, but will be good enough for other teams that they can sell for 10, 15, 20 million, like Augustin, like Nkunku, like Diaby and good on them if they can keep those. The ones who, unfortunately, are not good enough and will live on a free, they might then become good enough for other clubs, then good for them. There's nothing, maybe more than what PSG can do. So they're in in a good position too, although, as we said, there's still a lot of issues in that academy and they could do things in a much better way to keep those players for a bit longer. But you see, it's it's far more complicated than, than, than just, oh, they should do more with those players or this and that. Um, certainly. I mean, everything you're saying, Julian, is is sort of is echoing with me. You know, it's resonating because I think I came into this with with sort of the, the a, a very binary view of it's black or white. You know, you either try the players and they are good enough or not. And you should, I mean, again, as I've said, from sort of my very uh, under 23 focused lens, you know, I'm going to be thinking, you know, why why are we not putting uh, these players in, in, in the first team in sort of a very de- developmental developmental perspective? Yeah, of course. But of course, as you've as you've said, you know there are so many, so many economic decisions that need to be made. You know, financial fair play is a huge one. You know, of course, you can draw attention to the fact that if they had um, been able to lure Kylian Mbappe to the club in the first place, they wouldn't have had to pay probably over two hundred million euros in in fees and wages by now. But then at the same time, you know, they're they're recouping the likes of fifty, sixty million on players who aren't going to get a look in in, in this team. You know, the Diabis, and, and I mean, as good as Nkunku has been this season at RB Leipzig, which has been fantastic to see, essentially, was he going to break in ahead of Kylian Mbappe? Or was he, gonna, was he going to continue to be played in a variety of positions where Tuchel was just not going to get the best out of him um, because he was playing 20 minutes here, 40 minutes in a different position, uh, 60 minutes there? There are, there's, there are a plethora of issues, uh, as, as you mentioned. And yes, there are some who, who slip through the net, the, the young ones who, who maybe go when they're 17, 18 to, to other French clubs because they, they identify that you know, they're not going to have that power pathway. Boubacari Sumari is one. He left on a free uh, and has ended up becoming a, a Champions League calibre player of France under 21 an international now. Perhaps will leave Lille uh, for, for around 20 million euros, um, as has been sort of reported, um, maybe taking into account the, the, the pandemic uh, effect on the market. But um, in terms of you know Sumari's ability, he'll probably be at the same level as, as Diaby or, or Nkunku um, or, or an Odson Edouard type. But there are so many, so many issues that, you know, we've we've tackled today. And, and you know, I, f- I feel like 
I feel like I've learned a, a great deal uh, about uh, Paris Saint-Germain's club hierarchy, the setup, the thinking behind everything, and, and also why certain players may be uh, thinking uh, that they may need to move on, whether they're going to chance their arm in the first team, and, and, and all, of the, all of that in between. Unfortunately, I think that's all we have for today. Otherwise, I think I might be bending Julian's ear for the next hour or two. Um, <laughs> I think we could have talked about, yeah, about not just the PSG Academy, but all the French academies and, and, and all the, the talent that French French football has in, in his in his youth teams for, for much longer, Joe. So, you know, we can, we're going to always do another episode, you know. Oh, definitely. <laughs> later in the season or next season. But yeah, thank you so much for for giving me this platform to um, to talk a bit about it. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been brilliant to, to have you on. I mean, I, I do love it when we be, be able to just go back and forth um, with, with the story of, of, of Paris Saint-Germain's academy setup. Um, but yeah, essentially, a huge thank you to, to you, Julian, for your, for your company, your knowledge, your insight. Um, it's a really intriguing topic, as as we've just said, and and I feel as as though we've only scratched the surface here because, as you say, there are so many other French academies to explore. Um, all that's left to do is to say, uh, Julian, do you have anything that you'd like to to promote for the coming weeks or months? You know, perhaps when many of us might be seeing you on our screens or, or hearing you on the radio again. No, I mean, thank you for having me again. It was it was a uh, this hour went so quickly. I mean, it, it was fantastic. So I hope people enjoyed. Or I've enjoyed and will enjoy listening to it again. Um, youth football is fascinating, as you know, and and you're doing such a great job uh, around it. Let's just give those kids as well the um, a chance in the sense that as we as we've been saying all along, some will be very good at 17, some will be very good at 19, some will be very good at 22. For some of them, it would never never really happen. Again, that there's there's a lot of reasons. Why and you and I have seen some very very talented 17, 18, 19 year olds who never made it for some reason, uh, but but it's 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 a wonderful age to play football and the, the the thing that they should always do is enjoy it as much as they can. Definitely, I think I completely agree there. Just let them play, temper the expectations, and and see how they end up developing naturally. Um, if if you haven't already, do follow Julian on Twitter. He is at Laurence Julien. Uh, and, and please tweet us at ScoutedFTBL if you've uh, enjoyed this episode. Um, just a quick one. Uh, volume 6 of the Scouted Football Handbook is now available from sfhandbook.com. Um, you'll see us sharing and retweeting individuals who received theirs on, on our Twitter and Instagram feeds. But yeah, please leave us a review if, you, if you've enjoyed this podcast. And, and I'm sure, as, uh, as, as we've discussed, uh, it won't be the last instalment of, of French football and, and the various academies. I've been Joe Donoghue, and this has been the Scouted Football podcasts uh, deep dive into Paris Saint-Germain's academy successes and failures. Thank you very much to, to the esteemed journalist and broadcaster uh, Julien Laurence for accompanying me. Um, that's all for today. Take care, enjoy the football uh, and bye for now.